0: Hey there. Thanks for joining me today for another episode of Lymphedema Podcast. My name is Betty. I'm a certified lymphedema therapist, passionate lymphedema advocate, wife, mother, and the voice behind Lymphedema Podcast. What began as a small passion project in 2019 to provide answers and explanations to people with the lymphatic disease, lymphedema, has now reached more than 75 countries. Whether you're a patient, caregiver, or medical professional, or someone interested in lymphedema, There is an episode here for you. Every week this season, there will be a new episode to help you learn more and navigate better your journey ahead. I am so passionate about teaching others about lymphedema that I created this podcast. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. Welcome back for episode 103 of Lymphedema Podcast. For the entire month of April, I'm diving into the topic of grief. If you're joining me for the first time today, I want you to know that there have been two really good episodes already on grief experienced by CLTs and by parents. My guest for these episodes is Marshall Lyles. He is a licensed professional counselor. He has extensive experience in family counseling. And go back and listen to uh, episode 101 and he really gives detail in his background. You can also visit his website. It is linked on the Lymphedema Podcast page.
1: Lymphedema Podcast is made possible by the support of Eros Medical, Bryland's Feet Foundation, Dr. Jenna Wishnu at Lamb Vascular and Associates, Juzo Compression, and MediUSA. For more information and to browse previous episodes, visit the Lymphedema Podcast website.
0: All right, we are going to highlight... Partners and spouses of patients with lymphedema, people with lymphedema. And episode 99 is an interview of Jen, who is married to Kelly. And so I'm going to reference that in this interview. And I may even be bringing Jen back for a conversation of what it's like to grieve with your spouse. And for your spouse, in the interview I just finished with Jen, she says, you know, she was angry a lot. There was the bargaining, there was the denial, you know, all of the stages of grief um, that they had to go through. And she said something so profound. She said her daughter, who at that time was at a really young age, her daughter said the day that her dad went into surgery. And then that surgery is what caused his lymphedema to appear later. The day he went to that surgery, my dad died and a different dad came home. And that was one of the first times I have heard it in like that death way. Um, cause we were talking about how lymphedema people don't die with, they can, but they're not grieving their death or someone else's death. They're grieving the experience of the lymphedema, but in this case, that daughter so well articulated that the person who was her dad died during that surgery and a new dad came home and it's been a different dad from then on. So how, how can we support and encourage and guide these partners and spouses of people with lymphedema who, who are navigating, I mean, parent, parenthood, solo parenting, Working, you know, keeping up with doctor's appointments, keeping up as a caregiver—so many things go into that. It's not just, mm-hmm. "Hey, my husband's kind of sick." It's it's a lot.
1: It is. It's so many different roles uh, that that you never, you know, when you know, uh, when when you're as a kid, you know, getting to the age where maybe you start dreaming of your forever romantic life you know, you don't start thinking about, and I can't wait to be someone's case manager. You know, I I can't wait to be, you know, um, having to think about, gosh, this house that we built, do we, we have to start over because it's completely inaccessible. You know, there, there just are so many unanticipated losses and, and, and a lot of them come out of, Loss of some of the dreams you had when thinking about building a life together, uh, that it's really heavy.
0: I like to play devil's advocate, and yeah. I want to throw in here that I don't think it has to be all like grief and sorrow and sadness to be in a romantic relationship with someone with a chronic illness. I don't think it has to be um, a death sentence for your love life or your romance or your passion. I think, you know, obviously um, there's different levels of intimacy and, and on like a friendship level, like, man, what if they still like make you laugh more than anyone else? Like, what if they're still your best friend? What if you still just want to travel the world with them? Like, I, I want to be really cautious to say, I, I'm thinking of people that I know in the lymphedema community who are young adults, who are single, or who've had really awful experiences that if your partner, then, you know, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whoever you're casually dating or whatever, if they didn't work out, it's because they weren't supposed to. And that I think people who have the right kind of heart to better support you, like they're out there and they're going to come along. So I just want to also like play play devil's advocate and encourage people that it doesn't have to be all sadness and sorrow. You can still have a chronic illness and have a really happy relationship.
1: Absolutely. You know, I think, you know, just the nature of the first question alone was geared more towards the partner's experience, kind of assuming that um, that maybe the, the onset of the illness happened after. Um, you know, originally it was maybe too um, able-bodied, able-minded um, or more equally matched in ability. And then something started shifting, but that's not the lived experience of everyone. You know, the, the, depending on how long you've been living, with the current state of your body um i you know i'm i'm someone who's afflicted with illness and i think i'm a delight you know <laughs> i i i spark a lot of joy at, at home and so i i think uh, you know it's one of the things my wife and i talked about a lot and yet there's no denying that you know even though we've never really had traditional role expectations that's not who we are in our in our connection It there's still like just these long seasons where she has to do the share of the heavy lifting when it comes to certain responsibilities that used to be more equitable. And because she was the right match for me or a right match for me, as you, as you were saying that that we're able to talk about those seasons as they come and go. And then I often will carry more of the heavy lifting and the emotional side of things because she's having to run around and do more of the physical um, things. And so that it is really fluid and it has to be. And, and that's the kind of connection that, that's required. I I think it gets complicated sometimes to be the partner to, to someone like me who's ill, because I, I want her to go and have her own support because she's having her own grief experience. However, I don't want my story being told without my permission, that starts to feel a little uncomfortable to me. And so these subjects just have to be on the table. You know, we have to be able to talk about them um, because she doesn't need to be processing all of her loss with me because that could really get heavy for me as the sick one,
0: so to speak.
1: But I also have to find some degree of peace in me for her going and having a safe network of people you know to get to to talk about that and then it's it's both lovely and complicated and 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 we don't have to try and make it not those things um in order to embrace this dualistic way of having to choose what it means to be um sick and partnered
0: well i think you are a delight i i think you know yourself so well um I I got a kick out of that. And I also agree. Yes. I think you just have to know your worth, um, on both sides of the relationship. And I, I don't think, you know, traditional roles, um, gender roles or responsibilities and things like that. Um, I'm kind of over those myself and in my personal relationship and in my marriage, um, my husband for sure still takes out the trash, but other than that, there's a whole lot of things that I can do. Trash is just not the one, but I feel like for others who have a, let's say complicated relationship in the way of you're not two equally able-bodied people, those roles are going to change. I love that you said it's fluid lymphedema is a fluid disease. And I always tell people that it's a fluid experience because your lymphedema is up, your lymphedema is down. Um, and it literally is fluid, but I think applying that to relationship is the same. And that you, as the, like the patient in the relationship, you have to come to peace and understanding that I need the help. They are my helpmate. And I just toe the line of like, am I taking advantage at some points? Am I, you know, making it harder on them? Are there some things that I could do or the other way around is, is your partner like really babying you? Are they playing into, um, ableism sometimes, like depending on how they come into that relationship, did you already have lymphedema whenever you started dating? Did you develop it later? All those things. So I just think communication is probably one of the biggest things i've heard you mention communicate what you're comfortable with what you're not comfortable with um emotionally being able to communicate with your partner and being able to communicate with a therapist or a support group or you know whoever that is or whatever it looks like mm-hmm. um aside from communication can you give any other recommendations or advice on building or maintaining a relationship
1: yeah, and it the, going back to that original list that you had read um in our first part of the conversation about the different kinds of grief and loss experiences one of the words you said was anticipatory and i i think that really shows up in our partnerships when when, when chronic illness is involved because you're you can start looking for the next change, the next loss, uh, and, and your relationship becomes, um, centered around that instead of also leaving room for what's our next dream. Um, you know, what's our next goal. And so in order to make sure that, that, that grief doesn't, um, dominate, you know, be aware of how you're thinking about the future, you know, just so journaling as, as, contrived as it might sound to come from a therapist. Uh, journaling is important because it's a way that you can notice, train yourself to notice how you're thinking, how you're talking to yourself. Um, but what, what a lot of times people will do is they'll journal like, like kind of like a vomit. And then they don't want to go back and look at it. The, the real beauty for me in journaling is so that you can go back and capture awareness. Oh, this is where my thought patterns have been leaning toward. This is what I want to introduce to counter some of that or to give care to some of that within me. One of the the practices that will help is uh, finding a way to to have your own mindfulness experience. So there are apps for mindfulness training. There are classes online. There are YouTube videos. Part of the benefit of that uh, is similar to journaling is that you learn to notice without judgment, uh, without assigning a value, uh, that, oh, this is just an experience that has to be named and noticed and sat with. And when we can start doing that individually, then we're more capable of doing that collectively. But you, you can't find your way to a relational experience of noticing without judgment if you can't practice it on your own as well. And so, you know, doing the work individually as well as within the partnership is critical.
0: Mother Teresa says loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. This podcast is here for you to find friendship and a community for your journey with lymphedema. I hope you enjoyed learning more about grief on the spectrum. Remember, if there's a topic you're looking for, the website has a full library of podcasts. Email me with your story if you would like to share lymphedema podcast at gmail.com or visit the website lymphedemapodcast.com to submit a topic for another episode.